recovery begins. Compared to Hollywood, Hollywood North's looking pretty good on the health front. New freedom for the film industry and for summer travel with a warning to be careful. Work aversion. Unfortunately, this is something that we have been hearing from our members. Why small businesses blame the CERB for stalling their comeback. And recovering from a crisis. Why wouldn't she just take me to a hospital straight away? Or call for an ambulance or an EMT or something. The nursing student dragged down a hallway speaks out about her treatment and why she's suing the RCMP. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We are hearing tonight from the woman dragged from her apartment in shocking surveillance video that's now evidence in a lawsuit against the RCMP. The Kelowna nursing student alleges she was assaulted by an RCMP officer during what was supposed to be a wellness check. Sarah McDonald reports, and a warning, some of the images are disturbing. She was in crisis, semi-conscious and powerless, as the young woman on your screen was dragged in handcuffs down a hallway and into the lobby of a Kelowna condo building, where surveillance footage captures one Mountie's response to what started as a wellness check on Mona Wang. I do have a history of anxiety, and so I was having a panic attack. Watch as the constable lifts Wang's head by the hair then steps on it in disturbing footage now at the center of a sweeping civil suit involving the RCMP and the federal and provincial governments. It was awful because it was obviously I was in distress. This is Wang now, a nursing student at UBC's Okanagan campus where she was studying when this encounter with Constable Lacey Browning occurred in January. The 20-year-old later documenting injuries in hospital that she alleges were caused by the responding officer. My entire face was bruised. My eyes, they were like completely red from the first blood vessels. And I had bruises on every limb of my body. In court documents, the accused constable claims the complainant refused to follow orders, was intoxicated, in possession of a knife, and a threat to public safety, something Wang denies. I had self-harm a little bit with a knife that I put down and I did not pick up. Um, afterwards um, and I had drank two cups of like two glasses of wine and taken some medication. She saw the pill bottles lying around. She saw that I was bleeding. So why didn't she call for backup? One of many questions Swang has of the constable she now wants to see fired, not just for alleged physical abuse, but emotional distress too. At one moment in the car, I said to her, um, how would you feel if this was your daughter in the same position? And she said, my daughter would never be as stupid as you. Only after this footage was made public, the RCMP announced a code of conduct and a criminal investigation into the behavior of a constable who's now on desk duty. None of the allegations have been proven in court. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Charges against a prominent Northern Alberta First Nations chief have been dropped after dash cam video of his violent arrest was released. And a warning, this video was also disturbing. It was made public earlier this month. It shows the incident at a Fort McMurray casino back in March where Chief Alan Adam and his wife were stopped by RCMP about an expired license plate. At one point in the interaction, an officer runs at Adam, tackles him to the ground, and punches him in the head. Adam was taken into custody and charged with resisting arrest and assaulting a peace officer. Those charges were withdrawn today by Crown prosecutors. Adam says he knew he'd done nothing wrong. 
we are to move forward in any capacity, then we have to seriously open our eyes of each and every non-Native Canadian to the realities that we, Indigenous people of the land, have had to live with for decades. This case, like too many others in recent weeks, shines a clear spotlight on systemic racism that for too long has gone unchecked and unbridled. Alberta's serious incident response team is still investigating the arrest. New developments tonight in the case of two brothers cleared of assaulting a Vancouver police officer and obstruction. A judge ruled video evidence contradicted the police version of the event. Now the VPD has asked the Office of the Police Complaints Commissioner to conduct a police act investigation into the officer's behavior. Rumina Dea reports. It was the officer's word against the accused, who were found not guilty on all charges. The criminal case over, but now the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner must decide whether it will launch an investigation. I have not seen that written decision from the judge. Calling into question an officer's uh, credibility or truthfulness, and it'll be important to look into um, whether those comments were, uh, or that testimony was made uh, to intentionally mislead anyone. What are you it was a routine traffic stop that erupted in violence in 2018. Two of the accused, the sons of a former Hells Angel. A brawl ensued between Brendan Robinson and Vancouver Police Constable Thomas Graham, who said he was pulled into the suspect's SUV, resulting in serious injuries, a busted nose, an orbital bone, plus a concussion. These officers were defending themselves during a routine traffic stop, and this stop turned uh, very violent, very quick. But a crucial piece of video shot by one of the accused, Troy Robinson, tells a very different narrative than that of the VPD. Judge Reg Harris ruling Constable Graham was not pulled into the vehicle, and it was Graham who initiated the fight by violently punching Brendan Robinson. The judge ruling the testimony of both Constable Graham and his partner, Constable Grant Mom, was unreliable. Constable Graham's evidence contains significant inconsistencies, and as a result, I could not accept his evidence, said the judge. I have significant concerns regarding Constable Mom's evidence. While Brendan Robinson was hostile and belligerent, he never threatened the officer. He was defending himself, and his brother didn't do anything wrong by filming it, said the judge. I'm just happy we had the evidence necessary to prove that we were innocent. Otherwise, we would have got charges that were undeserved. What's frightening, says defense, is Crown was seeking a three-year jail sentence. It's too early to say whether there will be an appeal or if the officers could face criminal charges. The BC Prosecution Service says it is reviewing the judge's decision. Romina Dea, Global News. Another big step today in BC's response to the COVID-19 pandemic as we officially enter phase three of the recovery plan. It allows more businesses and attractions to reopen and allows for non-essential travel within B.C. But the message is clear. We're still nowhere near business as usual. From Burkerville to Whistler to Tofino, it's now time for British Columbians 
to explore. People can enjoy the summer, get out to see some of the spectacular parts of British Columbia and not put themselves and other people at risk. The BC government announcing a move into phase three on Wednesday. But while you pack your sunscreen and camera, don't forget your COVID-19 prevention plan. Take the precautions to keep ourselves and those around us safe. If we go too far, we risk a rebound. The expectation is British Columbians could be in phase three for a while. We could go back to phase two, but that would mean a huge outbreak of COVID-19 cases. Phase four only comes with a vaccine or a cure for the virus. Phase three includes a number of things beyond non-essential travel, including a wider opening of hotels and resorts, a return to normal schooling in September potentially, and the reopening of the film industry. Compared to Hollywood, Hollywood North's looking pretty good on the health front. The television and film industry hoping for some exemptions, where talent coming from outside the country can all quarantine together in a bubble in order to work during the 14-day mandatory isolation period. But it's not a proposal the province has seen yet. We will look at everything as it comes across, but the overriding um, importance is, is the safety factor. Not everyone's on board with the province's Phase 3 plan. A group of Indigenous communities want to remain closed to travel and only want to open if the province can ensure all visitors are COVID-free. How do we screen people coming into our communities to make sure that they don't have um, COVID? And, you know, like we see screening at the ferries. We'd like that kind of screening. But most communities are desperate for the visitors. Tourism, a more than $15 billion industry in the province and BC's largest employer, a hope phase three brings with it the economic stimulus so many have been needing. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And Keith Baldry joins us now live with more on this. Keith, good news for sure. I'm sure a lot of people will want to hit the road. Mm -hmm. It's the summer of staycations for us, but what about visitors from other provinces? Yeah, we get this question a lot, Chris, from people pointing to BC's really good track record with COVID-19. Are we going to allow people from other provinces or jurisdictions where COVID may be much more serious? Ontario and Quebec continue to have very high numbers, although they're starting to bend the curve. We put that question to Dr. Bonnie Henry today, and she's very clear. She's not going to ban people from other provinces to come to BC. Here's her response. I don't see us um, ever putting in restrictions. We haven't so far, but we want people to have their travel manners on when they come here. So make sure that they're doing what we've been doing so that we can all stay safe in our communities here in BC and when people are going back and forth to their communities um, in other provinces in Canada. So interestingly enough, even though we're now at the point of traveling through our province, right next door in Alberta, the, uh, in terms of where we get most of our visitors from in Canada, they are still under restrictions. They're being advised not to travel outside of their province unless it's absolutely necessary. So we may not see a big influx of Alberta visitors anytime soon. And finally, Washington State, latest update, folks, almost 500 new cases there today of COVID-19 and nine deaths. That border is going to remain closed, I think, for quite some time. Sounds like it. Okay, thanks, Keith. Right. Meanwhile, case rates remain low here in B.C. There have been 14 new COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours. That brings the total number of confirmed cases since testing began to 2,849. Some sad news, there has been one new death in the Vancouver Coastal Health Region. 14 people are in hospital, seven of those patients are in the ICU, and there are 162 active cases now in B.C.
Well, phase three means British Columbians, as you just heard, are now free to travel within the province. And it seems, as Chris mentioned, we are embracing staycations. So much so that some summer hotspots are fully booked or filling up fast. As Brad McLeod reports, it may force us to explore new parts of B.C. Chances are, after today's Phase 3 announcement, you might be seeing red. No rooms available in some of the hottest destinations in the province, like this hotel in Soyuz. Even the Premier's pull, not enough to bag him a spot south of Campbell River. We're without a place to go at this point, but we're going to keep trying. British Columbians may find that some of the most popular spots in the province um, on key weekends would likely already be booked up. But there are still exceptions. The Magnolia Hotel in downtown Victoria says it's slow in the capital. Even with a recent uptick, they're only 20% occupied. Phones have been picking up over the last couple weeks. Uh, we're hoping that with today's announcement, they uh, pick up more aggressively than they have. So there still is some room in places like Victoria, the Empress and a couple other hotels opening up for the first time this weekend. But the Premier says some smaller tourist operations may be surprised there's more demand than they thought. We will allow people to perhaps open up uh, areas that they had not planned on because of the uh, crisis. But also, consider this your greatest opportunity to really see more of your province. You think about what's available in the central part of our province, whether you're in Kamloops or Williams Lake, uh, some incredible mountain biking trails are being created in those areas. Of course, many of you will know Cowichan as, as a winery area. Cowichan Valley is one of those beautiful in-between places hoping to cash in. And even if you were lucky enough to snag your first choice destination, a great tip so you don't miss out on local attractions. Make a plan, uh, make some reservations. You want to be respectful of the fact that they have a new set of rules to work with. The Premier acknowledges no international travellers will hurt the industry, but BCers could help. If they can uh, have the means to travel and to do maybe uh, that special holiday that you've been waiting for for a long time, instead of going somewhere else, do that right here in BC. Brian McLeod, Global News, Victoria. Small business owners in BC are starting to believe the Canada Emergency Response Benefit is keeping potential workers at home. One local brewery got quite a shock when it tried to hire staff, and as Catherine Urquhart reports, it's prompting calls to reform the government handout. We had to cut out that wall still, is because they already laid the money. Andrew Doyle and Anthony Walsh are working day and night to build out their new brewery in North Vancouver. Construction's underway right now on our Mexican-themed brewery, La Cermeseria Astoleros. This whole new brewery district in North Vancouver is going to be super exciting. By the end of September, I think there'll be about seven breweries in a one-kilometer radius. They're hoping to open in August, but hiring staff hasn't been easy. Some would-be employees have said they'll pass on working for $15 to $20 an hour and instead will collect the $500 a week CERB. Though we got uh, quite a few um, positive responses, we're going to bring in about 10 people for interview. There was a little bit of backlash arguing, you know what, I can make more money on CERB, and, and that just came as a bit of a surprise to us. It's a problem faced by numerous employers right now, according to the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. We certainly need to make uh, the CERB system a lot more like the EI system, so the employment insurance uh, system that we have in Canada. So, for example, ensuring that uh, the people collecting this benefit, the CERB benefit, are indeed part of the labour force. They are able and willing and actively seeking employment to be able to collect this benefit is a very important additional requirement 
requirement we need to make sure is added to CERB. Uh, this will ensure that those who are collecting the benefit are people who desperately and genuinely need this. Despite the hiring challenges, Andrew and Anthony are hopeful they'll find staff in the coming weeks. The two anxious to open up the taps. The salted lime lager, uh, papaya hibiscus goza will be really exciting. We've got a horchata porter, all washed down uh, with some delicious tacos. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. It was mysterious from the start. A seriously injured woman dropped off at a hospital. She died there and it sparked a homicide investigation that revealed the woman's identity and her connection to a shadowy group called Golden Touch. The request from investigators in just over a minute. Can you get out? An officer's body camera captures the rescue of a driver trapped in a burning truck. Why his problems, though, didn't end there. Coming up on the News Hour. Also, renewed calls to give Vancouver's legendary black athlete, Harry Jerome, the respect he deserves. That's later. Right now, though, the mysterious death of a woman who succumbed to serious injuries after being dropped off at a Surrey hospital one week ago is now considered a homicide. The victim, a Chinese citizen, had only been in Canada for about a year and a half. Grace Key has more on the clue police hope will help solve Bo Fan's murder. The victim of a Surrey homicide has now been identified as 41-year-old Bo Fan. She was a Chinese citizen and had been in Canada since February 2019. Last Wednesday at about 5.30 in the morning, friends and family took her to Peace Arch Hospital, where she later died of serious injuries. Given what we know of the case so far, we don't believe that this was a random incident. Um, there is still much we need to learn about Ms. Fan and her history. Fan lived in the Grandview Heights neighborhood in Surrey, but was last seen in the area of 168th Street and 27th Avenue in the overnight hours of June 16 and 17. Police searched the area, focusing on one home in particular. Police are looking into her association with a self-improvement organization called Golden Touch or Create Abundance, the home behind yellow police tape where two Maseratis were parked was a meeting place for the organization. Let me be clear today, we are not making any linkage, linkages with this organization um, and uh, Ms. Fan's homicide. There's, n there's no information that we've uncovered to, to make that kind of link. But what we know of Ms. Fan so far is that she was somehow associated to this organization. And so we're appealing to those who knew Ms. Fan, who recognized Ms. Fan, perhaps had, have had dealings with her and this organization. Um, that is critical information for us. Police are looking to speak with people in the Chinese community who knew Fan and have information on her ties with the organization. Grace Key, Global News. Up next, stranded travelers who still can't come home. What is Air India doing and you are doing nothing? The frustration for families on a march to get their loved ones out of India. And when COVID crushed their business, this company found a way to not just survive, but thrive. Clearing a stall at the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge. It's southbound at midspan in the far right lane and two lanes of traffic getting by slow from the north end of the bridge. When you buy a lottery ticket or play at a casino in BC, our healthcare, schools and community programs benefit BCLC. With every play, you're making BC even better. I'm Tristy Wissen in Global One. High above a stalled vehicle at the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge.
Confusion and chaos at a New Delhi airport over the weekend as dozens of Canadian citizens and permanent residents were denied access to a flight home. Frustrated family members in B.C. say they're getting little help repatriating thousands of Canadians still stranded in India. Aaron MacArthur reports. What is Air India doing and you are doing nothing? Chaos at Indira Gandhi International Airport. Desperate Canadians trying to board a flight home. Staff unwilling or unable to let 150 people on board. He's a manager of Air India and now he's saying I'm calling Delhi police. Two of the people turned away were Satna Minhas's parents. The Canadian permanent residents have been in India since the new year and travelled hours to get to New Delhi only to be told their paperwork not sufficient. Air India blaming the Canadian High Commission, saying names of travellers need to be confirmed. The government of Canada says it's a problem with the airline. The finger pointing, not helping anyone on the ground. They're like, we don't want you to I go there. Even, I can't even talk about that. There's, I'm trying to book another flight. They're, they're, they're traumatized. They're, they really don't want to talk to us. Global Affairs confirms about 15,000 people have been able to travel back to Canada from India. But there are thousands more. According to Conservative MP Tim Upple, many now are permanent residents whose only option to leave India is on the national carrier. Volunteer organizations say Canada needs to step up. It is very frustrating because uh, no one is, uh, like the people who are the victims here, they're not able to get any real answers that who is exactly is stopping them from travel. That, uh, in, in my opinion, is an aftermath of what we haven't been able to do as Canadians. Had we, been, had we had flights in place, these people wouldn't be in panic and booking whatever is offered to them. With India facing a troubling rise in the number of cases, Canadians growing increasingly fearful for their loved one's safety. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, our Believe BC series tonight focuses on another business that has turned disaster into new opportunities. Scene Ideas specialized in setting up stages for huge live events. That, of course, all came to a crashing end in March. But now they've hired back all of their laid-off staff and are even hoping to expand. Ted Chernecki tells us how they turned everything around. Like those fireworks, business was booming for a lower mainland company that counted the symphony of fire among its many clients. They helped stage this, the Squamish Music Festival, and even the opening ceremonies of the Olympics. Then everything changed. It changed it dramatically. Uh, it started in early February, basically the beginning of February. We lost our first show, cancelled, and then everything toppled from there on. Uh, by the time March 13th rolled around, there was no more business. Everything had closed. So what to do with a broken shoe? Well, Scene Ideas did use a lot of plexiglass in their staging events. The lockdown created an insurmountable barrier for its business, yet ironically, it was barriers that saved it. We're doing barriers, plexi barriers for desks and workplaces. We've got a custom designed in-vehicle passenger driver barrier. We do in-house printing of decals. We do face shields, door openers. Uh, basically, we will come into your workplace and provide you solutions to get things up and running. One customer, Bodegas on Main, while not crazy about the ambience of plexiglass in her Spanish restaurant, still believes it was money well spent. I think peace of mind is important. I think um, knowing that they can still walk in and be in a fairly full restaurant 
with the safety of the partition goes a long way. Like so many we've talked to in the series, if nothing else, the pandemic opened eyes everywhere in the business world. In the long run, I think we will be a, we'll be a lot more agile and able to change and move differently. We'll uh, shed a bunch of products and things that are just dead weight. We'll um, keep our costs very low and efficient. Uh, and we'll always look to the long term and watch every penny. Scene Ideas was particularly vulnerable to the pandemic because of the large crowds involved. Had it not pivoted to its new business, it'd be waiting for phase four in BC's recovery plan, where large crowds and concerts are allowed again, and that appears to be a long way off. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Up ahead, the children's book inspired by the COVID crisis. And as the idea grew into the children illustrating the pictures for it, it just became something else. How the entire grade 1-2 class got in on the project. And cleanup after a rare tornado touches down in cottage country. This program is brought to you in part by Believe BC. Together is now. Good news over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Just a moment ago, cleared a stalled vehicle northbound at the south end in the far right lane. Southbound traffic is just dealing with a slow-moving vehicle. And keep in mind, there's ongoing maintenance on the during the overnight hours on the bridge deck. Time to renew your car insurance. Call BCAA to easily renew your ICBC auto plan by phone and email and find more ways to save. Visit bcaa.com slash car. I'm Tristy Wisson in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Can you get out? Get out, get out sir! A driver in California barely escapes as he was pried from a burning vehicle. A sheriff's deputy and a good Samaritan saved the man after his vehicle went off the side of the road and flew down an embankment. As flames shoot from the front end of the vehicle, they realize the only way to get him out is through the back, prying him free and pulling him through the broken window. They drag the driver to safety where paramedics assist just as fire crews arrive to put out the flames that started a brush fire. Well, the European Union could block visitors from countries with severe COVID-19 outbreaks when it reopens external borders early next month. 30 European nations decided to close their borders back in March. That travel restriction was extended three times, but it's due to expire on July 1st. Talks are underway to discuss which travelers will be allowed in. Officials will reportedly be looking at the total number of cases in the past two weeks relative to a country's population before making a decision. The U.S. has the highest number of coronavirus deaths and infections in the world, and travelers from America could remain banned. Uh, we certainly don't want to reopen a play that jeopardizes the United States from uh, people traveling here, and we certainly don't want to cause problems anyplace else. I'm, I'm, I'm very confident in the coming weeks uh, we'll figure that out, as between not only the United States and the EU, uh, but the United States and other parts of the world, too. It's believed the EU could announce the so-called safe list of countries later this week. Leaders will regularly reassess that list based on infection data. In Health Matters tonight, students at a Vancouver elementary school have some new bragging rights. They are now illustrators of a children's book. They banded together remotely during quarantine to put together a book that deals with the challenges of being stuck at home. As Linda Aylesworth reports, they're also helping others in the process. 
Nothing like being together again, albeit six feet apart, in Miss Lucas's class. Way more fun than being in quarantine. What's it like staying at home? Boring. Back in March, one of the class parents got an idea. She'd write a book entitled "Why Am I Still Home." This book kind of just came to me when we were in, right in the middle of、uh, our first week of quarantine. It started out just as a way to try and help others cope. But the project quickly evolved. We decided how could we include the kids so that they could stay connected with the kids in the class and the community. The answer to that question was right before their eyes. They would ask the children to get involved by doing something they all loved. Today I'm drawing a rainbow. They would illustrate the book. I would still be like、um, just doing nothing, but now I get to like work harder in a book. So I have to, I get something to do every day, so I'm not just bored the whole time. Another benefit that comes from illustrating a book. I drew this picture. Pride. I want to know what it feels like to be in a book. So how does it feel to be in a book? Good. Well, it feels like really, really happy. It's like, like, wow, I get to be in a book. They were given suggestions, but the creations are all theirs. What is that? Stressed, mom. There is yet another perk that comes with this job, knowing that they're helping others. Because all proceeds of Why Am I Still at Home, which is available on Amazon and Apple Books, will go to charity. By buying the book, you're really supporting families that are affected by COVID. And what story would be complete without a moral? We have learned to adapt, and that it's not forever. Quarantine has taught us about being together. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. As we head into forest fire season, a new study from UBC has some troubling results. It's well known that wildfires affect our health, but the new research says it happens almost immediately. The study shows exposure to high levels of fine particulate matter generated by fires leads to increased odds of ambulance dispatches for respiratory and cardiovascular conditions, and those ambulance calls occur within just one hour after exposure. Another new finding: among people with diabetes, the odds of health complications increase within 48 hours of exposure to wildfire smoke. The researchers say people with pre-existing heart and lung disease and diabetes who live in at-risk areas should consider purchasing air purifiers, air cleaners, and ensure they have adequate supplies of medication always at home. Still to come: honoring the amazing accomplishments of Harry Jerome. I just don't think there's been the interest in people of color, so to speak. Despite the statue, why some say the legend isn't getting the respect he deserves. Later, and hard times in the CFL. The big financial hit that your favorite players are taking. Give a shout out. Tag posts with hashtag #BCHealthcareHeroes or email BCHealthcareHeroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News in partnership with Fortis BC, ensuring your community has the energy it needs 24/7. Cleanup is underway in Ontario, about 150 kilometers northeast of Toronto, after a tornado touched down Tuesday afternoon. The twister struck without warning, causing chaos in cottage country. Tornado came across the lake, which has has never happened before, until Tuesday around 3 p.m. Look at that tornado, baby! Yeah, oh, it's、oh, going to hit that house. I took that house down. In fact, it was a boathouse that belonged to Larry and Ramona Kozak. 
It took less than a minute or so for the tornado to wreak its havoc on the boathouse. Amazingly, the boats behind me, the Sea-Doo and the one in the water, were not damaged at all. A cleanup crew has been busy all day, dragging debris up a steep incline in front of the Kozak cottage. The original plan was to really spend a lot of time with person power and haul stuff up. Revisited the site this morning, decided we'd bring in a high hoe to, to work in conjunction with person power to make the job a little bit easier. We're hoping that between today and tomorrow we'll have everything cleaned up that uh, insurance would be responsible for and then the process will be starting to get repair estimates, an engineer involved. As for the twister, Environment Canada says no warning was issued because the storm wasn't a supercell and there was no detectable rotation on the radar. Experts from the Northern Tornado Project in London are expected sometime Thursday to examine the site. Meanwhile, Peter Taylor, who is 77, recalled bad storms from another season. I've seen lots of storms and uh, in the winter I remember it was about 10 or 12 and the snow was so deep walked over my grandparents clotheslines. <laughs> Dan Nisnick, Global News. Crazy weather indeed. All right, a little more benign around these parts. Let's check in with Christy Gordon from the front porch. Is it the front porch or the back porch today? I can't tell. <laughs> Front porch, yes. I wanted to show you the little bit of blue sky off behind me there, which is nice. After the rainfall today, and even though we were saw a clearing across much of uh, the lower mainland in the afternoon, one cell hit the Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam area, and it was really odd. It really was just one area. Cheryl Marie sending me this one. You can see the downpour as this cell just all of a sudden popped up and then also disappeared. Here's a quick look at it on the radar. Really brief. Also one just east of or west of Chilliwack. Now, we had the number of thunderstorms in through the interior all the way through the Kootenai region. The thunderstorm watches have ended. You can see the yellow in through Alberta. That's the only area that is left under a watch, one area under a warning there. But still risk of thunderstorms in just that southeastern corner. Now let's talk about heat. Boy, it was hot today. Now we're seeing a nice little breeze now that we're seeing the clearing and that's dropping things a little bit. But at one point, 26 with the humidex and tomorrow could be even hotter. Some areas away from the water, 30 with that Humidex. Lots of sunshine expected tomorrow, though, except for the north coast. You'll see a change by the end of the day as cloud and rain pushes into your region. So you'll see that here in your icons. Rainfall for the north coast region, increasing cloud through the Caribou Central Interior, sunny and hot across southern BC, and that will be the case here. So the temperature near the water, 23, but with that humidity tomorrow, we could see the Humidex levels range from about 27 to 30 across Metro Vancouver. Friday also looks Looking good, but at this point we still have a chance of showers Saturday and Sunday. And yes, that would be weekend number seven with rainfall, if you can believe it. Your central windows weather window showing merit. This one from Tina Taphouse, who also just had a birthday not too long ago, but great shot. Thank you to Tina for that. Looks yeah. like a painting. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Tina, mm -hmm. and happy belated birthday. For sure. All right, Squire is here. Yes, I am. What do you have? Well, I'm going to tell you that one of the nicest guys ever in the NHL, the Happy Warrior, is in the Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. McGinley scores! Jerome McGinley! He's remembered mostly as a flame. He was a great junior player in Kamloops and also great for Canada's Olympic teams. 
Also ahead tonight, the movement to prevent a legendary track star from fading from memory. Well, despite some notable turmoil at the top, a lot of people still excited about the white cap schedule. Well, it'd just be nice to watch something mm-hmm. with Vancouver in front of the nickname. <laughs> uh, we uh, now know the Whitecaps schedule for the Disney World Tournament. They are in a group with Seattle, Dallas, and San Jose. Top two in the group move on to the knockout stage, as well as the four best third-place teams. The interesting thing about the Whitecaps schedule, they'll play FC Dallas first, then San Jose and Seattle. These will all be 7.30 games here, which means they will start 10.30 at night in Orlando. Well, the Hockey Hall of Fame has put in six new members today, including a BC boy, the guy beside my head, Oilers GM Ken Holland, who is from Vernon, was put in as a builder. He won three Stanley Cups as the Red Wings GM after starting his career in management with the Red Wings, with the Red Wings as a scout. Five players were selected, and here they are. And Jerome McGinley. Remember when Trevor Linden retired? And Aginla got all the flames to shake hands with him. And I remember a Mike picking up Linden, talking to Aginla, and saying to Jerome Aginla, you're the best player in the game. Well, he's now in the Hall of Fame. Marion Hose is in. Kevin Lowe's finally in. So is Doug Wilson. And the golden goalie for Canada's women's team, Kim St. Pierre, is also in. Well, not many who play in the CFL make a lot of money. Most make wages that a lot of people would recognize. And since they haven't played any games this year, the players are living off whatever is in their bank accounts if they don't have off-season jobs. And the pass from Miami, this was the final game of the 2019 season for the BC Lions. It also marked the last time they received a paycheck. CFL players are paid 1 18th of their salary per game throughout the league's 18-game campaign. So if you're doing the math, They've now gone more than half a year without cashing a paycheck. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's very tough for a lot of guys financially because majority of guys in the CFL, you know, are getting paid, you know, a lot of money. And the last game check we got was November third, so it's been tough. A lot of guys on the the Serb and the the EI just kind of scraping by, hoping that we get to play in September. And that's why players are voluntarily working out at their team's facilities minus the pay. Had there been training camps, players would normally receive three preseason checks under a sliding scale based on years of service. Veteran players receiving between $800 and $900 a check. When you think of professional athletes, it's really not that much money. Nor is it a stretch to say that CFL players are financially hurting right now. You know, around the league, it's tough, especially for you know our teammates and brothers down south, across the border. You know, younger guys in this league who are you know trying to make a name for themselves, a feel for them. Um, as a veteran in this league now, uh, you know, there's struggles we have to endure as well. They'll hand it off to Wilder, who will come back and he'll score. James Wilder Jr. was the CFL's outstanding rookie in 2017. On Wednesday, the 28-year-old called it a career, saying, "Can't wait on the CFL anymore." got to take care of the family and that right now in a league where the minimum salary is $65,000 a year is the biggest issue for players because no season means no pay. We have a good brotherhood here a lot of offensive linemen here so they know if anybody's you know slacking or need some help they know we got places to stay or you know meals or anything like that they know we got each other back and we always we speak to each other you know on a hopefully you know try to do it on a daily basis not every not every time but you know if a guy is in need of something We're definitely there for each other. 
Well, COVID-19 has forced a handful of players to pull out of this week's PGA event, which starts tomorrow. Brooks Kepka, his brother Chase, Webb Simpson, Graham McDowell, Cameron Champ are all out. Kepka and McDowell are out because their caddies tested positive for COVID-19. Chase Kepka is out because he's close to his brother. Webb Simpson has a family member with the virus, so he pulled out, and Cameron Champ actually did test positive for COVID-19. Liverpool, two wins away from the Premiership Championship. They're taking on Crystal Palace. That is impressive. Trent Alexander-Arnold with the great free kick. one nothing for Liverpool. If you think that goal was nice, how about this one? Fabinho from long range. This one should have a vapor trail on it. Bang! Back of the net. 4 nothing win for Liverpool. There you go. Well done, Squire. Thank you. All right, here's Andrew now with a preview of Global News at 11 tonight, Anne. Thanks, Chris. The province has purchased two more Vancouver hotels to help the homeless. We'll let you know which ones and what the long-term plan is. Also, now that phase three of our restart from the pandemic is underway, many people are starting to look at vacation plans, but some areas of the province are saying not so fast. We'll let you know where and why. Those stories ahead when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris, Sophie. All right, Anne, thank you. Up next, tonight's healthcare hero and a Canadian sports hero you should know about, but probably don't. It is time to recognize one of our hardworking BC healthcare heroes stepping up for BC during the COVID 19 pandemic. Tonight's nomination comes from Carrie Chi, who would like to recognize her cousin, Jane Jallet. Jane is an X-ray and mammography technician who works at Surrey Memorial Hospital. She's also studying hard to be able to perform MRIs. Part of her job involves scanning COVID-19 patients, so she's had to self-isolate at home with her husband, Keenan, who she married last August. Maybe his newlywed self-isolating with <laughs> your newlywed husband isn't so bad, but she hasn't been able to see the rest of her immediate family. Carrie says her cousin Jane is a selfless individual who went into healthcare following in the footsteps of her mom, Mary, who is a retired nurse. Well done, Jane. If you have a healthcare hero you'd like to see recognized, send an email to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Don't forget to include a few pictures and some information about why they are your hero, and we might feature them next. Thank you, Jane. Thank you very much for that. All right, Canadian sprinter Harry Jerome was a pioneer in the sport. He set seven world records. One of his legacies, the Harry Jerome International Track Classic, held annually in Burnaby, had to be cancelled this year. But as Jordan Armstrong reports, there is a move afoot to make the track star as recognizable as other BC athletes. I just don't think there's been the interest in people of colour, so to speak, unless they've been promoted and uh, made a big frou-for-all in the United States. If you grew up after 1980, you may not know the story of BC's Harry Jerome, but you should. Canadians all know who Michael Jordan, I mean the whole world knows who Michael Jordan is, but uh, we're not that concerned about Canadian heroes. Harry, this, without a doubt, is the best time. It's the world's record. But you've also come pretty close on previous occasions, haven't you? Yes, three times. Harry set seven world records in his career. He was, at times, the fastest man on earth. As a teen, he embraced sprinting, a solo sport. After experiencing unrelenting racism, 
playing team sports. People in the stands with the N-word out there. But when you had people on your own team who were happy to, you know, step on your foot if they could. It was the kind of hate the Jeromes had encountered many times before. When the family moved to North Vancouver in 1951, the neighbours petitioned to keep them out. And Harry's sister Valerie is still haunted by their first day of school. Hundreds of kids were waiting with rocks and we just ran back to our home. We stayed at home for about three days. Racism wasn't the only obstacle for Harry. In 1962, a career-threatening injury. He completely severed his left quadricep muscle. And the press wasn't kind. The media were all over him. They called him a quitter. It was really hard to bear because Harry had tremendous strength and passion and determination and it was just wasn't who he was. Just two years later, he defied the odds and won a bronze medal in the 100 meter at the Tokyo Olympics. Harry went on to promote sports and inspire future athletes until 1982 when he died from a brain aneurysm at the age of 42. I was honored to have him call me a friend. You think about him all the time. All the time. He hopes more people will take the time to learn Harry's story. A story of an incredible individual who overcame a lot of criticism, unwarranted. A story both he and Harry's sister feel belongs in BC classrooms. Yes, there's a statue in Stanley Park, but in Valerie's experience, most people who stop to read the plaque are tourists not locals. There isn't a lot out there on Harry. We need to do a lot of updating of the curriculums in, in BC. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Strong he, argument to be made there, for yeah. sure. He did a lot of work with kids, too, after he retired as a sprinter. And if you watch him sprint, you can't teach the way he sprints. That it's, is God-given. Yeah, so powerful and pure. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, last word from Christy on weather before we go. Oh, we lost her. Well, yeah, hot and humid, I guess. <laughs> and it is so humid in our uh, production control room, our director is about to black out. So we'll sign off. Have a good night, everybody. Good night, all. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.